You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you have given us. Thank you for uh, your presence. Thank you for the double blessing that you promise us on the Sabbath day. Amen. Double answers to prayer, double presence. Our need is double. And so I pray that as we shift our focus to the big picture, you would bless us today as we enjoy each other. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I am super excited to be here with you today. And today we want to share, I want to share a little bit more about the ministry and the mission. And speaking of the Sabbath day, a day of rest, that is actually what inspired me uh, to create this ministry. I prayed and asked God, how can I share your message with your people? And he placed this concept on, on my heart. Oh, can you hear me? Okay, hold on. Can you hear me? Okay, hold on. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to hold it just in case. Um, so today I want to talk about the concept of being well and being whole. Essentially, if you also you've noticed below, um, and when you first check in, you can get our cards, Be Well, Be Whole, and you can go to our website right here. Um, one of the things that really inspires me is utilizing Christ's method, which is, what is his, what is his method? Yes. He mingled with the people as one who wanted their goods. I really like this, this uh, quote that one of the speakers gave today. And he shared, Jesus mingled with people as salt ming mingles with food. And um, that was Philip Saman, I believe, he shared that was really beautiful. The focus is never on the salt. The focus is always on the food. Oftentimes, um, it's very easy when we learn something good. Maybe we just stay connected with similar people that have the same vision, and maybe we don't step outside of our, you know, our comfort zone. And our ministry is specifically targeted to reach the unreached. Our ministry focuses on going to the people, meeting them where they are. Christ met people's immediate need, and then he bid them to come follow him. So our mission is to share a message of restoration through holistic wellness education and plant-based cuisine. And we serve as to the wedge of the gospel. We try to have our ministry efforts serve as the wedge to the gospel, where we help to kick off evangelistic series, and we also build relationships with people. Um, I like to use this quote where um, Ellen G. White shares, God is now calling upon us to open up a strong work in the cities, really connecting with people and meeting their basic needs. How many times are you in church and you're praying for someone's health condition? How, how, what do you think the percentage is of people that are praying for people to get well? Do you think it's like a small percentage when you're at church is, or is it majority of the things that we're praying for? You know, the things that we're sharing today are preventative. Um, you know, it's always better to be ahead than it is to be behind. So having and an introducing Whole Foods, God's natural medicine, is a really good way for us to, one, minister, and also to be well and to be whole. I want to share a few photos of us reaching the unreached. Um, so, and, and not just unreached, but just really connecting with the community. We really enjoy building genuine relationships with the community members. Um, we were featured at different local events in Metro Detroit, and we also have, have been on 3ABN and Dare to Dream, where we got a chance to share our message and share the, the health message with the community around the world. And right there to the left, you'll see um, our team. So Stacy is actually a board member here, and you've, you've seen her helping a lot. She's amazing. And these are um, some of our other board members and friends that have joined us for our event. So I want to also share with you, if you're interested and if you feel compelled to share a message of health and hope with the community and you would like to help us in our, our efforts to reach the community, there's a couple, thank you, there's a couple ways that you can get involved. Our current impact, just to share with you, we've served over 2,000 individuals. 
We've reached over 5,800 individuals. We've hosted weekly cooking classes and programs on um, TV networks, and we actively teach the community how to cook plant-based and embrace a message of health. Um, here's a few ways that you can get involved. You can join the team. You can serve as a health partner. What does that mean? A health partner is someone that is um, ready and willing to serve individuals we meet in the community. Oftentimes, we engage with hundreds, if not thousands, of people, and we are really interested in building personal relationships with them as well. So as a health partner, you would essentially help them on healthy tips of living and really being a great friend with them. And also, if they're interested in spiritual wellness, opening that door for Bible studies based on health and growing to focusing on Christ. So there's a training that you would be a part of, which we are going to have this fall if you're interested in being a health partner. And you could be either in person um, if you're in the Metro Detroit area, or you could be virtual. So we're really interested in growing our team and impact. So if you would like to be a health partner, you could um, go to our website, send me an email, or you can sign up right um, at the, the desk in front. So bewellbehole.org is our website where you could be a health partner, or you could book us to come to your church or workplace. We do cooking classes, as you know, and wellness workshops, or Yes, you have a question. We actually, I'm glad that you said that I was supposed to mention that. Um, so we have, actually this fall, we are helping to launch a, um, a center of influence in Alab Cottondale, Alabama. And so we will be there um, in August, and they are doing great work there. And I, had, I wrote the name down so I could mention it. Um, hold on one second. It is called Cornerstone of Health. So we're helping them to launch in August. So we, we do come out of Michigan, um, just depending on, you know, the circumstance and the timing. But yeah, that is an option also. So yes. So we, we love to travel. Um, and originally we were called Around the World in Seven Days. And sometimes people thought we were airlines. So we switched it to Be Well, Be Whole. <laughs> We travel, but we're not that, we're not experts at that. But, um, but yeah, so essentially we would love for you to be a part of it. Also, if you would like to support our nonprofit, which is called Restore Our Community Crew, which is connected to us, you can donate. It's tax exempt. Um, some of the, what we do with that is if churches book us, we could also subsidize the cost. Um, also, it helps us to give um, resources to individuals that are, you know, in the community, in inner cities, and provide resources. So if you would like to donate, you can also go to our website. But ultimately, I'm super excited to be with you to share how you can be well and be whole. And what I'm going to share in terms of desserts today, they're, um, they're in incorporating some whole grains and some natural fruits so it's better for you. So I'm super excited to be here with you. Thank you for listening on how we share the gospel and health message. And I look forward to cooking with you. So Vicki, do you want me to cook or do you want to go next? Okay, I'm going to start cooking. Are we ready? Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so for our first... <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, so for our first meal or dish... Mind you, we are going to do a healthier alternative. So a lot of times you can have processed foods. How many of you love your brownies with white flour? It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so today we are going to actually make it out of um, a pear. So we're going to use more whole fruits that has fiber in it, which is better. It's a healthier alternative. So I'm going to clip this on. So this is a pear that I am taking, um, and I'm going to actually cut this off. Um, but so this is a pear. I will take it and cut it in half with a sharp knife. And once you cut it in half, you'll see the seeds, and I'll remove it with a spoon. You can also use a tablespoon measuring cup where you just essentially just take the spoon, put it right in around the seeds and circle it. Okay. I just want to mention that yesterday I got to have the taco, the walnut taco mix with the avocado, I mean, with the avocado parsley slaw over slaw. Yes. 
I, I just felt so guilty because <laughs> you didn't get to have any. <laughs> and um, it was so amazing. The mouth feel, okay, fla flavor, color, texture, it was all there. It was beautiful. And you could, yes, you could use pecans. Somebody asked me that, right? Yes, yep. You it's can good. use pecans. Um, I love walnuts because of the consistency. Thank yeah. you very much, Stace. So now I have my pears. The next thing I'm going to do is add a little bit of vegan butter. I'm going to put it around the pear. And also just want to send a friendly reminder, the recipes that you'll find in the cookbook and that you've gotten today because you physically come here, nice, a nice surprise, you can always customize it to what works well for your health and for your taste. So I'm going to put a little bit of vegan butter. Like for example, if you have, you know, high cholesterol and you want to reduce your fats, you don't need to put vegan butter. We're not seeing on the camera there. Oh, you can't Nicole. see it? Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. she's she, watching. She's her. engaged. Yeah. She's like, I'm yeah, looking. <laughs> it's okay. That's a good sign. All right. Okay, so we've got the vegan butter right there. All right, and then the next thing I'm going to add, you can add a little nutmeg and sprinkle that there. Nutmeg, I love it. It has a nice crisp, you know, smell, a little sweet. The, 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 the butter is a little rich and creamy. It'll help melt it down. The next thing I'm going to, so actually after this is done, I'm going to actually put it in the oven for about, on 375 for about 30 to 45 minutes. Um, but that varies based on your oven. So if you have an oven that cooks a little bit slower, you may want to increase it, or if it's older, you, you may want to increase the temperature, so it could vary. Um, but the whole goal is once you bake it, you want them to become soft. So when you touch it, you want to make sure it becomes soft to touch. Then once it's done, you can also add some maple syrup. Yes, so we have some maple syrup. I'm just going to drizzle it. You can also bake it in the last 10 minutes. You can put the maple syrup in the oven and bake it down so it crisps a little bit on the outside. And then you're going to top it with your favorite vanilla bean ice cream, vegan vanilla bean ice cream. Going to take a, a scoop of this and just drizzle or just top right there. And while it's warm, it'll melt down. You can then top it with some, you don't need this, so remind you, you really don't need this one. What if you want this one? <laughs> if you want this one, which is just a little drizzle of caramel, you can have that. So this is a nice dessert that you can try. That's very, very easy. The most, the most time is just you put it in the oven, but you're not really doing anything. The most work that you're doing is taking the seeds out, really. And then you just put that on there, bake, and then it's done. It's simple. I like that it still uses natural fruits, and you still have the fiber there. It's a healthier alternative. You can always make it healthier. You can take out the, the caramel sauce. Um, and, the know, syrup, and the maple and the syrup. And the maple syrup. Yeah. <laughs> but you can just nice take everything birthday. out and bake a pear. Yeah. How, <laughs> how, nice, yeah. how nice for a birthday party. Huh? Yeah, it's nice for a special occasion. Um, the next thing that we're going to make is um, we're going to make cookies, which this can also serve as like a breakfast, depending on how much maple syrup that you put in. So I am actually going to use a banana, and I'm using two bananas. So I'll put that here. All right, and then I'm going to mash the bananas, which are full of potassium. One day I was actually doing a cooking program, and it's crazy. I was doing a catering, and we were, um, one of the, the, our volunteers that were going to be there wasn't able to come, so I was doing more than I normally would have, and I didn't eat, which I don't recommend doing. My hand just like did this thing, and I, I found that I had low potassium, and bananas are great for that and helping restoring that. Um, so essentially, I just want to mash the bananas. And the beautiful thing about this, it actually is going to take, it's going to have a nice smooth consistency, and it's sweet as well. So I'll mash bananas, um, two of them, and add this. How many of you have tried having bananas as a base for desserts? You've tried it? Excellent, excellent. 
I like it's because you're using natural things and you're just dressing it up a bit. Whole foods make a whole you. I like that. Um, obviously, there's more to it, mind, body, spirit, but I definitely like having um, bananas as a base. So if you can, can you see inside? I want to zoom in on this. There you go. So this is the bananas. We may have a surprise for you today. I don't know. You need to stay tuned. But here is the bananas. And the next thing I'm going to do is some old-fashioned rolled oats. So I'll put this in there as well. And they really bind together um, to make a nice consistency so you can actually roll it into a cookie, which is great. And then I'm going to add some raisins. Yeah, maybe, maybe if it comes out. Um, I'm going to add a little maple syrup to sweeten. And then I'm going to add, um, you can use walnuts, pecans, your favorite nut. You can also use cacao chips or carob, carob chips. So can you see how it's coming together? Going to add a little bit of more old-fashioned rolled oats. And now all of this is binding. And you can, at this point, you can taste it to see if you want to adjust any of the flavors. And then once it's done, you just take a spoonful, make it into a cookie form. You can eat it raw, just like this. Um, you also can bake it for about 10 minutes. And I have the exact temperature on the recipe that you have in your hands. And then you can bake it for about 10 minutes or so, and it's ready to eat. My dad actually, um, he also is a um, diabetic. And one of the things that he noticed is once he had those, it did not spike his sugar. Um, so, you know, but don't, and then he, he was excited, and the next time he had like eight of them. So don't do that. <laughs> that might be a different, uh, but you know, have one or two. <laughs> um, Nicole, yeah. I imagine that would be really yummy. Also, you could even do things like some shredded unsweetened coconut yes. in there. You could, there are all kinds of possibilities. Yes. Yeah, yep. it's very well, that's nice. that's simple and sweet, and I hope you yeah. enjoy. Thanks for cooking with me. Amen. Nikki. Thank you, Nicole. What a blessing. Yeah, I, I probably told you that, I, I can't remember if I told you, but I did a series for the public in Alpena, and I instructed the cooks for the fellowship meal to make the dessert sizes really small. Small, to kind of send a message that, that this, we do things, what? How do we do things for dessert? Small. So the guests were filling their entire plates with these small <laughs> desserts. And that really wasn't the idea, but um, yeah, it's a training. So I really appreciate that, Nicole, very Praise much. And Stacy, oh, let's do our drawing. Sherry, would you mind coming up with the basket, please? With our drawing basket. No, don't you just come up. Bring the basket. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry and I have worked together for so many years, and I'm here to tell you right now, if she didn't organize this thing, I would be in Florida watching manatees play. I cannot, I cannot do this on my own. So let's give Sherry a big, she's amazing, amazing. And we laugh, and we laugh because on our apps, one of our goals is, is not to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> and to listen better. But maybe it's good that we don't hear very much, you know, when we have these meetings. But anyway, I just really praise the Lord for Sherry. She makes decisions. She just does it. And I really, don't you love that? Wouldn't you rather have somebody just do something and it be all wrong rather than do nothing? Not that she's done anything. <laughs> all right. Somebody is going to go home with our rice cooker. We praise the Lord that Mark got his. That was divine because yesterday I was well, Lord, you impressed me to get this, and now what am I going to do? And here he is today. Praise the Lord. So somebody else is going to go home. And uh, Sherry, I'd like you to go ahead and pick one of those. Um... Okay, I've got one. Okay. 
don't have my glasses on, so oh. you're going to have to read okay. the number. <laughs> okay. So the number for the ticket is 8161-896-896. All right. Let's give a hand. Yeah. And I told Mark, I said, you can have one, but not two. Don't put your name in there. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. We're so glad for you. I don't know where it is. Where is it? Oh, it's up there. Okay. <laughs> All right. So fun. All right. I want to share as we uh, begin today, I love, uh, I always love big picture, big picture presentations because then we can put our personal situation into the big picture. And I want to start with this tonight. It's an, again, these are, I carry these in my Bible. They're precious to me. So I'm going to share this with you this morning as I begin. <clears throat> the forgiveness of sins is not the sole result of the death of Jesus. He made the infinite sacrifice, not only that sin might be removed, but that human nature might be restored. How many of you would like your nature to be restored? Man was originally created with a noble character and a well-balanced mind, and I want that back. We get it back like that man that saw trees, men like trees walking. It's by degrees. But that human nature might be restored, rebeautified, reconstructed from its ruins and made fit for the presence of God. Looking upon the people in their suffering and degradation, Christ perceived ground for hope where there appeared only despair and ruin. Have you been in that dark place? Have you seen people that are in that dark place? Wherever there existed a sense of need, there he saw opportunity for uplifting. In every human being, he discerned infinite possibilities. He saw men and women as they might be. That's how he sees you. But he loves you as you are. He wants to walk with you now, today, not just later when we look and shine a little bit better. He saw men and women as they might be, transfigured by his grace in the beauty of the Lord our God. Looking upon them with hope, he inspired hope. Meeting them with confidence, he inspired trust. In many a heart that seemed dead to all things holy were awakened new impulses. To many a despairing one there opened the possibility of a new life. That's from To Be Like Jesus, page 222. What a beautiful sentiment to begin our program and to enter the Sabbath with. Amen? And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, I want to recommend a book to you that is absolutely, it was astonishing when I read it. And it, the author of the book, and I've had to practice this, his name is, can we turn this off? How do, where's that? Nope, that's not it. That was trick. That's where the light is. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. She just breathed, spoke hope to me. So the, the author of this book is, is Vishal Mangalwadi. Okay. That is a mouthful. He's, he was, is an Indian from India. Obviously, the name makes that clear. PhD professor in India at a major university teaching philosophy. He became a Christian. And the book that he wrote is called The Book That Made Your World. It opened my eyes to what the Bible really means in this world, in art, architecture, music, medicine, science, literature, in every element of our existence that is in any way positive. It's the Bible that influences it. And we're going to be taking a little bit of a look at that. It, it, blossomed in my heart an amazing gratitude because as I've shared before uh, it is worldview and our environment that shapes who we are we make decisions based on our worldview and and so when we hear of people throwing their babies into the Yangtze or whatever it is you know whatever it is that's going on that just feels atrocious 
letting a child die of a fever because you, you don't want to take them to the hospital. There's a worldview behind it. These people are not monsters. They're just like you and I, but they have a worldview. And they're trying to usher those children into a better place, you see. And so to understand these different worldviews and how it affects us, the Bible talks about, about being ignorantly alienated from the life of God without God and without hope in this world. And, and I know as a, as a former atheist who was raised in a Catholic tradition of eternal hell, and I remember thinking as a child, I, I wouldn't do that to a lizard. And it just, it made me averse. It created an aversion. And then having a very abusive home, very frightening place, very unstable place, a broken home, um, you, you combine that, and, and so you go from aversion to abandon. Do you think I'm the only one that's ever had that kind of an experience? Do you think God is seeking out those people? And so we have to restore truth. It's the truth that makes you free, sets you free, keeps you free, and keeps you with a vision and a focus. And so to just do health stuff without the vision of truth of Christ, is, it makes it useless, in my view. That's just my personal opinion. Because people are looking for something better. They need the truth. Jesus is the truth. He's the way. He's the light of the world. So. This to me is so important because as the mind thinks, the mouth speaks, and the man moves. We're going to do what we think based on what we think we know. And it's like Mark Twain said. He said, it's not what we know that's so bad. It's what we know that ain't so. So our, part of our mission as God's people... Part of our mission as God's people is to help people to unsee what they see that isn't true. That's part of our mission. And we all do this. I have a really horrible sense of direction. Horrible. And I made the mistake in the middle of the pandemic, I was invited to go to a church and do some meetings. And I turned off my GPS. I turned it off. I knew where to, this place was. So I drove into a parking lot. It was a brick, it was a rock face with a pretty garden, lots of cars. So that was the church. So I, I went up to the door, and it was double doors locked. And I thought, wow, you know, these people at this church, they are serious about protecting from the pandemic. So I, I was all dressed up. I had my briefcase, and I was all ready to. And so I pushed the button to get in, and a voice came on. I said, hi, I'm Vicki Griffin, and I'm here to speak today. And there was a silence, and the doors unlocked, both doors. And I walked in, and they locked behind me. And I looked to the left, and there was a salon basin for washing hair and some chairs. And I thought, what an amazing church. I mean, they're, like, they're doing some kind of community outreach. And then I looked down the hall, and there were beds. There were rooms. And I thought, oh, they're doing s simple remedies here. It's incredible. What an outreach. I mean, oh, this is fabulous. So this lady comes from this long hall. She meets me, and I said, Hi, I'm Vicki Griffin, and I'm here to speak today. And she looked a little perplexed, and she said, well, we, we didn't have you on the schedule. And I said, that's okay. That happens all the time. You know, <laughs> don't, you know, don't worry about it. It's okay. Where's the sanctuary? And she said, we don't have one. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean you don't have a sanctuary? And she said, this is a nursing home. <laughs> it was a... And it was a locked facility. I'm surprised they let me out, to tell you the truth. I said, well, I said, well I'm looking for the Seventh-day Adventist church. She said, it's across the street. <laughs> so I went across the street. They were having a vacation Bible school, and they made the whole front of it look like a birdcage. I never would have figured out that that was the church. <laughs> so... Helping people to unsee what they see is a process, amen? So, in the beginning, it's hard for people to look up. What does Jesus say in Luke chapter 21? He says, when you begin to see these awful things begin to take place, what is the instruction? Look up and what else? Lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. We have to help people to look up up look up when God created our planet and so what I'm sharing with you in the beginning of this is from Vishal Mangalwadi's book and it was stunning and life-changing to me personally 
When God created our planet, it was perfect in how many details? It was what we long for today. It was beautiful, it was healthy, it was harmonious. If you've been to Dr. Zeno's meetings, and if you haven't, I just want you to listen to them online, it was shalom. It was shalom. Everything good for you is what shalom means. And God saw, or he judged, God saw that it was good, that means he had judgment, right? He judged it. Every living creature displayed the creative beauty of God's heart, filling the land, sea, and sky. And this is really interesting because in the book of Mark, you, know, you may know the story of Johnny Erickson Tata who broke her neck in a diving accident at age 17, quadriplegic from the neck down for f almost 50 years now. She had just become a Christian three months before. And she couldn't, you know, she went to these healing meetings and all this stuff and no, nothing, nothing. And it, th those were sham meetings where they had fake crippled people come up to the front and then the really sick ones they would wheel out into the dark area of the tent. It was very disappointing and discouraging to her. And uh, anyway, she, she was reading in the book of Mark one day because her friends would say, you know, if you just pray, you can get healed. If you have faith, God will heal you. And it wasn't happening. And so one day she was reading in the book of Mark, I think it's in chapter one, and, and Jesus went into town, he was doing healing, he was doing all these wonderful things, and the disciples came to him the next day and said, well, there are more people. And he said, no, we must go, I must preach the gospel. And he left them. You know, he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, but everybody else was left. And so what Jesus demonstrated here on this earth is who he is, is who God is, amen? And that's what we need to remember when we don't get that miracle. She wrote a little booklet called, Lord, Where's My Miracle? And it's a really good read. But God's heart is displayed in these things. The crowning touch of God's creation was what? Mankind. God created man in his own image. We're going to take a little look at what that really means. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And it was what? was very good. It's hard to see that today, isn't it? It's hard to see very much that's very good. Even in ourselves or in others, uh, people can be real no goodniks, you know what I mean? And we can be too. Martin Luther said, God must be a perfect gentleman because he loves rascals. And he said, and I'm a rascal myself, and I can't love them. So we have challenges, and we want the love of God, but Jesus said, this is the light that lights every man that comes into the world. He has put a desire in every human heart for him. That's a blessing. Remember that when you go to share. With joy-filled purpose and intimate care, God formed Adam with his own hands. He got his hands deep into the clay to shape the man after his own what? Heart. And for a divine destiny that would last how long? So God has that divine destiny for you and me today. That's an eternal destiny. He has a divine plan for our lives. He has a divine disposition to work into us. And he has a de delightfully divine lifestyle to build us up in every realm. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the suki, the ruah of life, and man became a nefesh, a living being whole being. And in science, they're starting to call the brain the hardware of the soul. Isn't that interesting? Because true science and inspiration are in perfect harmony. So what does it really mean to be made in the image of God? How many of you want that image restored? Day at a time, thought at a time, decision at a time, one choice at a time by his power. First of all, God has designed us with the ability to grow in what? insight. What does the Bible say? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and it shall be given him he, liberally, who upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So insight is, what? how would you describe insight? What's another definition? To grow in wisdom, but what's insight? It's the, it's the ability to apply knowledge correctly. You know, Job's friends, we have, we have proof texts on major doctrines from the book of Job by his friends who were misapplying truisms. The Proverbs and uh, the book of Job and the Psalms are full of what are called truisms. They are truths, but do those truths apply to everybody in every situation all the time? 
So can they be misused and hurt people? Have you had that happen? So insight is the ability to use knowledge aright. He has given us the ability to practice and grow in foresight. Foresight is the ability to predict an outcome. We went quickly through situational awareness yesterday. Situational awareness is the ability to take a set of facts or what you see or what you don't see and to predict a consequence by thinking it through. So you're driving down a road that you know and you notice that cars are turning around in front of you. Hmm, that's different. Then you see a sign, bridge out ahead. Hmm, now you don't see that the bridge is out, but what do you do? If you have foresight, you are going to turn around and go the other direction. And so practicing foresight can keep us out of a lot of trouble, can't it? So that's the ability to predict an outcome. And by the way, it's really interesting. Under brain imaging, we talk about dementia, and what we usually associate dementia with what symptom? Loss of memory. But actually, the, the beginnings of the dementive process, and there are many kinds of dementia, so I don't want to minimize and put everything in one box, but <clears throat> the, some of the symptoms of loss of cognitive function trending toward dementia can occur 20 years before actual uh, onset of memory loss. And one of the first things that begins to go is foresight. So the ability to, uh, it's the parietal area of the brain, it begins to atrophy. And so the ability to predict an outcome or to practice, to, you, put, you make a list, you don't follow it. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Okay, so it, it's the ability to actually follow through and predict outcomes begins to deteriorate. That's a brain function. Oversight, what is oversight? That's the ability to monitor and adjust our course. We, God has designed our brains to be prediction ma machines and we do have overseers. And hindsight is the ability to learn from our past. If we learn from our past, then we become more valuable as time goes on. Experience, in fact, in neurology, in neurobiology, it's called experience-dependent plasticity. So your experiences continually are shaping the architecture of the brain. So this is God in creation week was was manifesting these qualities and he has gifted human beings with these beautiful qualities and that is why we are different than um, turtles or frogs or monkeys. The, we have been given this in a high degree. Now is it possible for these elements of our being to deteriorate? Is it possible? What would be some ways, because if, this, if these qualities are actually viewable under imaging, if you can actually see the areas of the brain that are strong or weak that govern these areas, what would be some things that could potentially limit or deteriorate these qualities of brain? Yes, sir. Okay, because... The, yes, there's, there are neurotransmitters. I listened to a seminar on the big six neurotransmitters. There are more than 50 neurotransmitters that, re, that are associated with mood, memory, learning, and behavior. And all 50 of those neurotransmitters are capable of action at a distance. So when you're upset, you might feel it in your, in your stomach. But the, the important thing to remember is that every one of those neuro, neurotransmitters has nutritional building blocks and in my <laughs> I think I have this in my Bible yes I do okay so I'm not into punishing people but this is a list of just micronutrients that are low in people that suffer from depression and anxiety disorders which is like who doesn't pretty much <laughs> these days at some degree or another so these are micronutrients not macro, but micronutrients that are associated with increased problems with the formation of those nutritional building blocks. Neurotransmitters have nutritional building blocks. So what I did is I went and I looked up every one of them and found the foods that specifically go with these uh, in a large degree. And th there's a lot of redundancy. 
But if I were to read this to you, you would say, I will give you money. I will pay for her ministry. Please stop, because it would just be torture. So what I can say, to abbreviate it, is go to the produce department. <laughs> That's it. That's the Department of Defense. Those provide. So those I was telling Nicole this morning, that taco stuff was amazing. So instead of having two or three of the burritos, have one with what? First word starts with super. And what's the other word? Oh, that was so weak. That was weak. Okay, so that we're going to have a burrito with that, and then plenty of what? Yeah, we want those veggies. Those are going to provide those, those uh, micronutrients that we need. And it's really beautiful how all 50 of those neurotransmitters are made, stored, and secreted by the mobile cells of your immune system, the cells of uh, the respiratory tract, and the GI tract. So what does that tell us about God? It tells us that he has built backup systems so that when you treat your body as the temple of God's Holy Spirit, which it is, those messengers of well-being are produced in body systems that assist mental health. And when we focus on the attitudinal disciplines that come through the recrafting of our brains, through study, through prayer, through believing how special we are in God, those assist respiratory health, immune health, digestive health. That's good news today, isn't it? There's lots of good reasons uh, to make better choices. So we have been the, given the ability, like God, to judge what is right or wrong. Are we, do we get that messed up sometimes? The Bible says we're without, that we are void of judgment before we come to God. Dead in trespasses and sins. So our reasoning powers need healing, don't they? Our reasoning powers. So we can judge this is right or wrong, true or false. This is beautiful or ugly. What we like and what we don't like. Every choice isn't a moral choice. I mean, some people like apples, some like grapes. There's just all kinds of wonderful choices that we have the ability to make, but we need strong brains to do it. God's nature is love, and true love can never be what? Forced. He created mankind with the power to choose and our free will gave us the power to divert God's plan. Boy, didn't we do it. Our parents did that. So here's Ellen White uh, quote, a mere forced submission would prevent all real, what? Development of mind or character, that image of God set of qualities. It would make man a mere automaton. Such is not the purpose of our creator. He desires that man, the crowning work of his creative power, shall reach the highest possible development. He sets before us the height of blessing to which he desires to bring us through his grace. He invites us to give ourselves to him that he may work his will, his will in us. He will work to will and to do in you. If you've ever had an addiction, if you have a foothold in your life, Satan will make sure it becomes a stronghold. And I run addiction programs. And I absolutely understand and know the mindset of someone says, I cannot imagine life. I cannot imagine life without this thing, even though I know it's killing me. So it remains for us to choose whether we will be set free from the bondage of sin or share the glorious what? Liberty. If the sun shall set you free, you will be free how? Indeed, that's right. If any man wills to do his will, he will know the doctrine. Does God himself, does Jesus understand how unwilling we can be at times? Can he help us to become more willing? Can he help us to see things his way? Is he willing to work with us if we're willing to say yes to him? That's the beauty of our God. She says deeper levels of consecration and conversion are, have to happen. And they can't until we have the experiences. That's why perseverance and process are so important. God created people to be virtuous, the Bible says, but they have each turned to follow their own downward path. And by the way, it wouldn't be sin if it didn't hurt innocent people. Plus, there are other rules of engagement in this cosmic war that we know about. Read the book of Job. I mean, the devil has some, some power, doesn't he? He's the god of this world, and he causes awful things to happen. And so our trust and our faith 
needs to be in the unseen and not what we see around us. And that takes, we have to flee to our God. Because it's not just about, am I safe? Am I trusting? Am I healthy? Am I this? Am I that? No. The more you work with people, you're going to hear their stories. And they're heartbreaking. And you go home and you say, why? But God can weaponize every brokenness, every awful thing for his kingdom. That's what he does. That's what he does. I need to be able to endure what I have to hear because it breaks my heart. And if you have the heart of God, it's going to break yours too. And I'm sure you do. So God's people caught up in rebellion, misery, and sin are compared to a marred, damaged vessel. Any, are there any potters in here? Anybody that loves to do clay work or make pots? I would love to. Did somebody raise their hand? No? Okay. So, but if you break something that you've made, you feel bad about it. And so we are compared to broken vessels. King David said, I am become like a broken vessel. But God sees some potential in there, doesn't he? He sees what he wants to do with that. And the weaker you know yourself to be, the more his glory is going to shine in you. Never mind your history. Never mind what you've done or your genetic deck or all those things. God has an amazing plan. His strength is made perfect in weakness. That's right. God saw that the wickedness of man was very great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Evil men, we're told, and imposters will grow how? Better and better? Well, yeah, they're going to grow better and better at what they do, which is worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. And you know, God wants to free us not only God wants to free us not only from the guilt of sin, but also from its grip. And we can be our own worst enemies because why would God bring conviction on our hearts about something if he just wanted to torture us and make us feel horrible? But that's the devil's job, isn't it? Uh, and so we need to remember that if we've confessed our sins, the blood of Jesus covers us, and there is therefore now no more condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you make a mistake, don't give up. Get up. People are becoming unloving, unforgiving, without self-control, brutal. You'd think if everybody's doing what they want, they get nicer. It's not happening, people. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, gifts are given, but fruit is what? Grown. It's grown. Fruit is grown. And the Bible talks about the fruit of the, the fruit of the Spirit. In the Bible, Ephesians chapter 116 says that when you give your heart to God, you receive of his fullness. How much do you know when you first give your heart to God? How amazing are you when you first give your heart to God? Not too. Not too much. Okay, I'll just use my own self. Never, maybe you guys were incredible but not me. I knew nothing. And what does it mean to receive his fullness then? Well, we receive it in the form of seed. The fruit of the Spirit is gifted to us in our soul. So instead of being averse to God, in, instead of being averse to him, we now want his presence. Instead of running from him, we actually run toward him. Amen? And we learn, and when we get stuck in the weeds, we want to get back on that path. That's the gift of the new heart. But what we receive of his fullness is in the form of seed. And I actually, for some programs, I carry a seed packet in my Bible. I was a botany major. Uh, my first major was a botany major, and then I was a social work. I did uh, child abuse investigations. And because um, I, I, I didn't know God, and somebody had to make things right, so it might as well be me ferocious woman's liver, went to law school, I was going to be a prosecutor, worked for a finance company, repossessed cars, so watch out. I can find you. I found that guy. <laughs> but I couldn't control myself. I couldn't fix anything. You can't either. Only God can do that. He's just. And judgment is coming. Payday is coming. Amen? Payday is coming. And so, I remember days when I would stand out in a hailstorm with an umbrella over my broccoli seedlings to keep them alive. The hail is hitting me on the back, and I'm protecting those little seedlings. 
So we receive the fullness of God. We receive love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are not full-blown fruits that we get. We get them in the form of what? In seed. And what do you have to do to that seed? You've got to fight to keep that garden growing. God will not do what you have to do, and we cannot do what only he can do. But that seed begins to grow. It begins to get rugged. It grows deep, and it begins to yield beautiful fruit. So temperance is not a list. These traits are not a list. They are character traits of God that we receive. And by the way, they do not grow in the rocky soil of the natural heart. New soil. Amen? Nobody said anything, but I'm just going to assume that I'm on track here. <laughs> and if I'm not, don't invite me back. <laughs> All right, so because of these conditions, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation, this anxious foreboding, dead end. You try to find relief from pain, and everything we try outside of Christ is a dead end. It's not going away. The only way out of a storm is through of those things which are coming on the earth. Is there any way out of this mess, people? Is there any way out? For when we were yet without strength in due time, at the fullness of time, Christ died for the ungodly. Thank the Lord for the prophecies. By the way, uh, Sherry, do we have any of those reading lists left? Okay, would you bring one up to me so I can hold it up? I looked up the term school marm this morning, and uh, it felt eerily close to my what I want to do right now. <laughs> Prim, directive, and strict. <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. Okay, so this is a suggested reading list. Take a picture of it if there are, we'll leave one for sure. But we want to go deep in our roots of God. We want to climb that tree like Zacchaeus, amen, and look at the big picture. God's people in the early days of this message, they went through everything. And so it's one thing to have devotions. That's wonderful. It's one thing to read the whole Bible straight through. That's amazing. I've done that. I do that. But we also want to zero in and focus on the special testing truths for this time that, that are core to who God is in the closing work and what he's doing as our high priest. So we say things like, keep your eyes on Jesus. Oh, fine. It's true. Should we keep our eyes on Jesus? But in order to do that, you need to know where he is and what he's doing. And, by the way, there, was a duty, there were duties of the congregation on the Day of Atonement. And those duties are ours as well. It was a fast day. So what would that mean today? It means appetites under the control of God's Holy Spirit because intemperance lies at the foundation of all the evil in this world. And it's the foundation of all the graces and all the victories to be gained. Not my words. So it was a fast day. It was a holy convocation. It was a gathering. God's people are called to gather together to pray for one another. When we do this, our sympathies increase. And I tell you, a little tenderness can, can be much more effective than a truckload of talent. Not that I'm minimizing talent. So it was a fast day. It was a holy convocation. There was no work on that day. So for us, what does that mean? It means that everything is second to our work for Christ. Doesn't mean we stop working. But it means that wherever you are, wherever you live, that's your territory. And with whomever you are communicating, that's your territory. That's your opportunity. And it was a day to repent, of soul searching and repentance. So my contract with God is I'm just going to keep saying yes, because I'm sure there are many surprises yet that I am not aware of. So that's our duty as a congregation when we really look at Jesus, where he is, what he's doing, keeping our eyes on him. Amen? It's a glorious work. It's a growth work. Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are potter, and we are the work of your hand. So as a father has compassion on his children, he knows how we are made. He remembers that we are what? I remember one time, I, I have an unfortunate, very melancholy personality, plus having a history of abuse. I'm wired to be not here. 
<laughs> just gone. And so I, I had been traveling. I was working with a, an evangelist on a series, in a series of meetings. I was doing the health part every night. I get, came home from a trip. I was exhausted. There was a blizzard type of thing. And I'm from California, people. I know what the weather should be like. And it's not. <laughs> It's not that, you know, and I have a Prius, which is like a golf cart kind of, you know, in that kind of weather. And I was, I was, something else had happened with home and I was very depressed. So I was in bed with the covers over my head and I said, God, look at me, this poor old woman. Like, surely you do not expect me to get out of this bed and go to that meeting. I know your mercy, your tenderness, your, your good shepherd. I'm thinking of that picture of that lamb or maybe the old you holding it. I'm not going. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you've got about 45 minutes to get ready. <laughs> so the Lord is so good. And that's really him not torturing us, but it's him growing us, isn't it? You can't, but he can. That's the message of that one. And I showed up, and guess what? I was able to sit next to a Catholic sister that night. She signed up for Bible studies. She's one of our strongest members today. What if I had missed that opportunity? It was that night that she made her decision, and I was able to connect with her as a former believer in those doctrines. It was just a beautiful experience. I was so sorry uh, for my attitude, you know, that flat tire attitude. Not going to get anywhere till you change it. For if when we were enemies, we were rec reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. His life in you. What a praise. I will put a new spirit within you. How many of you want that new spirit? Every day. You know, we think, well, I've already asked for that. I've already, you know, I forgave so-and-so, and I asked for the new spirit, and here I am, I feel like I'm in the desert. Well, you think you're going to take one shower and be done with dirt? Like you've got to do this thing all the time, over and over. Amen? And it's a new start every day. Changing, this is again, Dr. John Rady, Harvard scientist. Changing your pattern of thinking changes what? The brain structure, more beautiful brain. When it says the Father's name is in your forehead, your brain is going to be more beautiful under imaging. Guaranteed. How many of you want a more beautiful brain? I do. So we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act. It's a habit. Genes and the environment work together to shape our brains, and we can manage them both if we, if we want to, is the rest of the sentence. And maybe I just wasn't in the mood to put that in there. It may be harder for people with certain genes or surroundings. Do we need to understand that when we walk with people? But harder is a long way from predetermination. You know, I don't tell some sanguine friend what I went through on that evening. They, they don't even get it. Well, all you can do is praise the Lord. <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> Growing is a what kind of work? Continuous work. Some people have a constant battle with self, but the heart of the battle, the more glorious will be the victory and the eternal reward. Amen? What a God we serve. I want to close by telling you the story of Dolly Dimples. She was known as the world's most beautiful circus fat lady. She was five feet tall at 555 pounds. Uh, she really had a beautiful smile, beautiful face. Her husband lost his job, and uh, there was a circus in town, and they had a, a discussion together and decided that Dolly should apply for the job of circus fat lady to keep the income coming in. And so that is exactly what she became. She became quite famous. And here are her own words. For almost 50 years, I was caught in the clutches of my own jaws. I ate from the time I got up until I went to bed. She ate about 10,000 calories a day. And people would pay money to watch her dance so that they could laugh. What a how Satan loves to degrade human beings and laugh at people. It's a wicked thing, but she bought into it and hardened her own heart against the horror of it. During all those years, I lived very much on the sidelines of life, just observing 
Think about the media addiction, just observing, living a vicarious life, just wishing, just being what? Watched. There she is, right there, in a, in a, in a pose, in a glamour pose. Well, in 1950, Dolly suffered a near-fatal heart attack, and her doctors told her she had to change her diet and lose weight or she would die. This wasn't the days when people understood microbiome and metabolic equivalents and backup systems and all this fancy stuff <laughs> that we talk about. But she understood one thing. She opened her Bible and she found the verse that said, all of a man's labor is for his stomach and yet the appetite is not satisfied. And she said, you know what, that's me. People are hungering and thirsting for freedom. I suddenly realized that life was more than eating. I promised God that I would follow the doctor's orders if only I survived. So she still had hope. She still had promise. She still had a reason to live. We're working with a lot of people these days who don't even feel like they have a reason to live. I'm, I'm working with young teens who are suicidal. So we have to breathe hope and strength into all with whom we come in contact. Amen? Well, guess what? She lost 443 pounds and trimmed to 112 pounds. She took up gardening. She took up golfing. Look at her beautiful smile. She, downside, she lost her job. You think she cared? Look at her. I'm a totally different person living an entirely different life. It's like being what? Oh, well, hmm. Interesting language, isn't it? I lived a miserable existence that fortunately came to an end. The Bible says, curb every passion. Be watchful. Be vigilant. Have situational awareness. Your great accuser, the devil, is going about like a roaring lion. They only roar when they're sure of their prey. To see who he can devour. That's why we need to press together, help one another, pray for one another. Have that listening ear. Jesus says, come to me, you who are troubled and weighed down with care. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. The great physician has a remedy for how many ills? Every ill. He understands your case. Whatever may have been your errors, he knows how to deal with them. Will you trust yourself to him? How many of you want to trust yourself to him today? Put your hand up if you want to. You want more trust. More faith, more love for him. And here's how it happens. Let your, remember we talked about the fruit of the spirit being seed? Seed grows what? Roots. Let your roots grow down to him. Let your lives be built in him, in his truth. And through prayer. Prayer is where the action is. There are so many scriptures about waiting on God. When you're waiting on God, you're not waiting for a bus you are a soldier in God's army, and soldiers wait for two things. They wait for supplies, and they wait for instructions. And we need to wait. And the Bible says, wait in hope. Now, it's easy for me to stand here and say that, but do you think it's a fight to get there sometimes? So where do you get the energy and strength and the mental attitude to get to that spot where you actually believe that? You have to flee to your God and get in the word. Your faith then will grow strong in the truth. Ellen White says that faith grows strong by earnest conflict with doubt and fear. Doubt and fear don't mean you're an unbeliever. It means it's time to put on your armor and fight. Like a pine sapling that grows stronger, sturdier, and bigger with each passing season, you will gain strength of character as you walk with God through every circumstance of life. Amen. Do you believe that today? You have hope because of Christ. For I know the plans that I have for you that he has. You know, I saw a sign on a Baptist church. It said, God has a dream. Satan has a nightmare. And you have a choice. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for evil, even though evil may be happening to you, even though you have a battle with evil in you. He's going to weaponize all that for good, for power, and for his glory. 
to give you a future and a hope in eternity. He has power, and that's why you have a plan. Now to him who is able to do how much? Exceedingly, abundantly, above. That's quite a few adjectives, isn't it? Above all that we ask or even think according to whose power? That works in who? In you. Do you believe that today? What a praise that is to God. Let's stand for prayer. Merciful Heavenly Father, we come to you this day seeking your power. And we pray that you will continue to be in us, to dwell in us, to strengthen us, to give us that hope that we persevere to the end. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.